Good day to you and welcome to Security in a Zero Trust World, powered by Unisys. I'm Steve Mullen. In the handful of weeks that have gone by since the first episode of this podcast series was published, the world has changed in too many ways to count. As the number of people who have contracted COVID-19 goes higher and higher, it's our hope that everyone listening to this program is healthy, safe, and following the guidelines for social distancing that we are told will slow the spread of the disease. One thing that organizations across the globe are doing to help employees to stay safe is letting them work remotely. Countless people who rarely worked from home are now doing it on a full-time basis for the foreseeable future. But while many, many jobs are easily done from a home office these days, that creates a whole new set of cybersecurity concerns. To talk about cybersecurity while working from home, we turn to one of our experts, Matt Newfield, Chief Information Security Officer for Unisys. He says that unfortunately, the people who are trying to scam us or gain access to our computers know exactly where to find us. You know, we find it very interesting. We're seeing a massive uptick in cyber attacks, but unlike the past for a lot of the cyber attacks we would monitor, they were against corporations, companies, agencies, and the like. We're now starting to see a lot of attacks against individuals. And one of those primary attacks is in significant increase in phishing attacks via your email, vishing attacks with a V, via phone calls to your mobile number that may be published somewhere or your work number that may be now forwarded to your mobile. And as well against home internet routers, uh, your cable modem router, for example, or your DSL router. The reason we're seeing that uptick is the adversaries obviously know that most people who work for corporations are now at home. They're in less secure environments and they're potentially more susceptible to these types of attacks. And so that's where we're really starting to see an uptick in, and we have a lot of comments on things people should be doing to protect themselves. Well, now let's go ahead and go straight into that. How can companies and individuals, any organization, better protect themselves when everyone is working from home? So let's start with the individual. So, you know, a lot of people may have gotten high-speed internet. They may have allowed their high-speed internet provider to install equipment in their environment or in their homes. They may have gone to a big box store, an online store, and bought a wireless access point or a series of wireless access points for their home, brought them home, installed them, and thought everything was great. And while for general home use that may be true, now's the time to step back and look at the devices in your house. Put your company aside. Look at those devices and determine, did you do the basic hardening for the pieces of equipment? And if you haven't done things like change your default password, go on to the manufacturer's website and looked at their security hardening guidelines done some general internet searches to see if there are good documents out there on how to better configure those things for your personal security, now's the time to do so. The other thing we're seeing a lot of is people bringing their corporate machines into their home environment. You want to make sure you're following policy. Most companies have policy for home use or personal use of corporate assets. Are you adhering to those policies? There are a lot of people that could be in a situation where the corporate laptop that they're given may be a very powerful, nice machine compared to 
your personal one. I know personally that is the case for me. I love my corporate laptop, but I am very aware of the policies because I wrote them that I'm not to use this laptop for personal use. I'm not to allow the other people that are now isolated in my home, my family members, my children, my spouse, to use that device for personal entertainment, for example. And you really have to make sure now that you're home working full time, that you keep that personal work balance very clearly defined. A lot of people connect to office networks via VPN. It's very common. Can you talk a bit about why a software-defined perimeter may actually be a better option? So VPNs, they've been around for a very long time. And to allow people to remotely connect to offices, they were great. In the old world, the idea was you wanted to make the experience for that user just like they were in the office. And if you think about what that really means, you can understand the security risks behind it. So I'm home now. I VPN in. It's like I'm sitting in a facility where we control physical access. We have full control end to end of the network. We have control of the server environment. And you have a lot of those things in place. That has been expanded. That four wall mentality is no longer what's really going on because now your infrastructure is extended to my house, extended to a coffee shop, and extended to anywhere that I have access. And that can pose significant risks to a corporation. On top of that, most corporations have built the remote access to be about 20%. 20% of their workforce at any particular time can access the corporate assets when they're not in the building. And that's been a stable number. Some people argue it's 15%. Some people argue it's 25%. But it's generally that range. Well, most companies today are in the mid to high 90% right now. So how do you actively scale up that capability? And again, VPNs are choke points. These are devices that everybody has to connect to, and then it throttles that traffic into the infrastructure. So your user experience could be bad, your licensing costs are going to go through the roof, and you potentially need to buy hardware. And I don't think a lot of people in their preparations for these style events really thought about A good example being, how do you rack and stack new concentrators or rack and stack new equipment in your data center when you may have a data center or region that is on lockdown, when you can't actually get someone into that data center to put the equipment in? There are a lot of these logistical problems. So we believe in the software approach. And what we've done in our corporation, and to give you an interesting statistic, We went from 15% of our workforce being remote to 93% in under 48 hours. I didn't have to buy any new concentrators, no hardware. I didn't have to buy new licenses. We didn't run into any of those classic problems. And we also don't have any user experience degradation. So our ability to work remotely has not been impacted for those that normally don't do it. And that is through software-defined perimeters and software-defined networking. 
we give people a secure tunnel point to point from their asset, no matter where it is in the world, to the applications and platforms they need access to securely. And we can do so in real time. It doesn't always keep that tunnel open like in a VPN. When I go to access the application, that tunnel is brought up. I access, do what I need to do. When I close the application, the tunnel is brought down. And that could be into my infrastructure or into the cloud. For those companies that cannot do that, right? Right now, they still have VPNs. There are a few things, in my opinion, that you really have to be mindful of. And I'll cover them off really quickly. The first is a lot of companies have split tunneling enabled. Uh, for their VPN infrastructure. And they're doing that because they don't want to pay for bandwidth while I'm connected to the company if I'm just going to surf the internet. And they allow that split tunneling to occur. The problem with that, especially today, is you've basically taken the corporate laptop, that corporate device, and it is now a hot point between your company's infrastructure, your company's application, and whatever network that user happens to be sitting on. So we are highly recommending, even though there may be additional costs for your internet capacity, to disable split tunneling if you're doing that. Another thing that a lot of companies do to help with the user experience is once you VPN in, you allow that VPN session to be persistent for an extended period of time. I've seen companies that actually have indefinite. So I VPN in once, and if I walk away from my computer for a month, that VPN session will stay open to 24 hours to just a few hours. And what we're recommending is reduce that VPN session to as short as possible before the user is required to either re-authenticate or show that they are actually active. And the reason you want to do that is you want to shorten the threat window that an adversary may have if they've gotten into the environment that user is a part of. If you leave the session open forever, and I notice I'm on that laptop as an adversary, and I notice that there's a connection, but there's no actual work being done, you can make assumptions that person's not in front of their keyboard and start doing very nefarious things. And then I think corporations finally have to better educate their users on what a home experience is like, what they should be doing over that VPN, what applications do they actually have to access over remote connectivity. We do that even though we don't utilize a VPN for a majority of our users. What applications, it is called um, AOA powered by stealth or always on access powered by stealth, you know, what applications and platforms are you accessing over this and which ones are you not? And by giving people that kind of education, I think it helps them be aware of what's going on. Finally, I think companies really need to focus on that phishing education. This is not the time to tell your security office to not be testing the staff, to not be educating the staff on what to look for. This is the time to actually ramp up those efforts to make sure people realize that they're going to be flooded with COVID-19 style scams. They're going to be flooded with spear phishing scams where 
you're going to start getting emails looking like they're coming from executives demanding you do certain things very quickly because the adversary is hoping you're not anywhere in a position to get in touch with that executive because you're not in the building with them anymore. And I think you really have to ramp that kind of education up for your teams. That's a ton of great information. If you had to give one more cybersecurity tip, uh, if there's anything else out there that you think people should be thinking about, what would it be? So it's actually not a cybersecurity tip, but I'll give the one other thing I think we all need to be very cognizant of is that there is always a human behind the computer. I've helped too many organizations who make statements like I gave my employees or associates a laptop and I told them to go ahead and work from their home office and work on their high speed Internet and they'll be just fine. And I think people forget that that's not always the case for everybody, not in the United States and not around the world. Not everybody has a dedicated home office. Not everybody has high speed Internet. Not everybody has internet access from their their homes or dwellings. And I think we need to sit back and really think about how do we ensure we remember that these situations can occur and what other options we can provide our employees so that they can be successful in this very strange time for a lot of folks who may have never worked from home. And I, I think that is absolutely key And while a lot of people aren't thinking of preparedness because we're already in it, I also think it's the time that we need to be documenting everything that we're experiencing so we, one, do not forget. People have a tendency to have short memories, and we can update all of our preparedness documentation, our preparedness efforts and exercises so that maybe not on a grand scale like we're experiencing today, but even on smaller scale testing, we can take the lessons we're learning from this experience forward. It's always a good idea to learn from everything. Matt Newfield, Chief Information Security Officer for Unisys, thanks so much for being with us. It was a pleasure, thank you so much. We really appreciate Matt being with us for this episode. And to learn more about cybersecurity and to listen to more episodes of this podcast, head over to the Unisys blogs at blogs.unisys.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on the platform of your choice so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks so much for listening to Security in a Zero Trust World, powered by Unisys. I'm Steve Mullen.